The Tablet Show, episode 117, with guest Brandon Satram. Recorded live Thursday, December 5th, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Brandon Satram about building hybrid mobile applications and their advantages and disadvantages around native apps. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to The Tablet Show. Carl and Richard here from the Fishbowl at NDC London 2013. Uh, what can we say that we haven't said already from the Fishbowl? I don't know. We said this and that. It's people aquarium. The Herding Code guys are next door. Yeah. You know, it's We're making of fun of them because they have all the gear in the world with microphones, big microphones, and we've got this little portable six-track recorder. And well, yeah, we do this a lot. It's yeah. worthwhile for us to have these little lightweight rigs that we could travel with it. Yeah, that's fun. But, uh, we, we were, were them once. We were, yeah, yeah. Not not very long ago. Like last week. <laughs> last week we were them. We were them. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe two weeks ago. It's okay. funny how uh, you know you just get you upgrade and then suddenly yeah, you how awesome looking you down are on everybody and else. Looking down That's on it. everyone else. I yeah. remember when I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, no, we did, we knew what we were doing. We just hadn't discovered how awesome this zoom new uh, zoom H6 was. is. You know, this should be my better known framework. You want to do it? Well, I'll play H6. the music then. Let's roll the music. All right. All right, buddy, what do you got? All right. Wait, I, I know. I, you know. <laughs> I do. It's the Zoom H6. Oh, I love it. And I don't have a URL, but I'll come look on, one up. Google Bing it. Yeah. Zoom H6. It's a portable six track handy recorder. So the Zoom H4n is what we have been using when right. we do these. Um, and we usually just take a, a feed off the board. You know, from the from the sound guy, but it's proven to be difficult because a we trust them to mix us properly. Yep. And b we we trust them to have good microphones, and some t- and we trust them to have batteries that are working. Yep. We've and, had everything imaginable happen. We had right. total blank recording. Total blank recording. Yeah, we've we had music played over, over top. Over top, and we couldn't hear it out front, but nope. they were yeah. They were bleeding music over top of the recording. And with lapel mics, you have this problem. That when people turn their heads, um, they go in and out of phase and sure. you can't hear them. So we got these um, microphones that are sort of headset wrap around invisible mics. And uh, this thing, and I, I got an additional capsule for it. So it has four inputs, XLR inputs, and it'll record four tracks and it has, you know, a stereo mic at the top. But that stereo mic can come off yep. and you can put two more XLR inputs on it. And it essentially record onto an SD card six wave files at the same time. Yeah. So for audio geeks, you know, for anybody who does podcasting or anything, this is a godsend. Especially if you have, you know, more than two channels that you want to record. And it has a line out, which is an eighth inch line out. Stereo. So we can pump that out to an amplifier if you need to. Have exactly. Your- so so here's what we do. We you know if we're doing a live panel or something like that, we have our six mics. I'm wearing headphones, so I can do the mixing because it's got individual gain. Uh, for each channel, and I can hear that uh, everybody sounds good, and then we line out to the PA guy, and what the heck, we're done. 
And then when, when we're done, we get six individual tracks, not one mono track. And uh, our engineers are much happier. So there you go. It's the Zoom H6. And I think the whole rig cost me about a grand. I'm not sure, but I think it, yeah. was, it was less than that, actually. And it's super compact. Easy yeah, to very travel super with. compact. Uh, it just goes into a little handheld box, goes in my suitcase. No yep. mixing boards, no nothing. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So that's it. That's what I got. Richard, who's awesome. talking to us? Uh, I grabbed an email from Chris Love. Chris Love. Yeah, who's been a past guest and is going to be a guest again. Actually, he's uh, on our road trip. We love Chris Love. Up. But he's actually commenting on the show that Sean Wildermuth did about mobile first design. Yeah. He says, guys, that was a great interview. I'm glad I took some time this morning to get caught up on some shows. The great message that developers need to hear. I am with you, Sean, because he actually CC'd Sean on the email. Uh, on doing mobile first and now the responsive design attack. Yeah. I think I decided to adapt to responsive design earlier this summer over a dedicated mobile web app. Mm -hmm. It's been much better than I anticipated. My overall maintenance headaches are fewer than before. It's very important to keep the data footprint in check as much as possible. Yeah. So that's the only whammy is to make sure you're not hauling down too much data. But that's, I think, the big thing we got from Sean's show Absolutely. around mobile first is you're you're now living in the data-constrained world. So right. anything you can make work on the mobile space, when you take it to the desktop, it's going to be a dream. It's going to be a dream. And you did a bunch of that stuff for the mobile sites for sure Tablet did. Show and, and .NET Rocks and even Run As Radio. Yeah, sure did. So really cool stuff. Uh, so Chris, yeah, I was going to send you a Tablet Show Absolutely. mug, dude. <laughs> yeah. And if you'd like a Tablet Show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps are built by Diatom Enterprises. Who'd love to build you an app? Just go to diatomenterprises.com. And that brings us to our guest today, Brandon Satrum. He's a product manager for Kendo UI and is based in Austin, Texas. An unabashed lover of the open web, Brandon loves to talk about HTML, JavaScript, CSS, open source, and whatever new shiny tool or technology has distracted him from that other thing he was working on. Brandon has spoken at national, international, and online events, and he loves hanging out with and learning from passionate designers and developers. He has an inextinguishable love for writing, and in addition to having several articles featured in publications like MSDN, .NET Magazine, Web Standards, Sherpa, and Inform IT, he currently is working on his second book, Polyfilling the Web Platform for O'Reilly. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for being on. Yeah. That sounds really pompous when you read it out loud. <laughs> I, I, of me, not you pompous, no, but it no, sounds no. pompous of I, me. I know what you're saying. I, I think most bios do. In, you're by supposed nature. to make yourself look good because you want them to ask you to speak at the conference. But, but yeah, right? yeah. they are meant for reading, right? Not, well, that's true. Not yeah. It's that's true. true. Yeah. But I, I love the way you read it, though, Carl. Thank oh, you. that's oh, great. I'm, I'm, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's my job. I read bios. <laughs> I'm a bio reader. Kendo UI. Mm -hmm. Kendo UI is very cool. I, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I went through the dojo a while ago. Oh, did you? The Kendo Dojo. That was one of my favorite projects from last year, working on that. And uh, just tell us what that is, by the way. Uh, so the Kendo UI Dojo is, actually, is an online tool for basically getting people started with Kendo UI. It's, it's intended, we built it with this idea of this is going to be your first five minutes with the framework. We took some of the idea of what's in JS Bin and JS Fiddle and other online JavaScript and web evaluation tools mm -hmm. and sort of built a set of tutorials around that that walked you through, here's how you build your first UI widgets with Kendo UI, here's how you get started with DataViz, and then finally, here's how you can get started with Kendo UI Mobile. And we put all of that inside of that, and it takes, it takes people about 5 to 15 minutes to go through, and that's been up for about a year. 
and uh, we love it. People have really liked it. We're making updates to it right now, actually, and building a, a scratch pad uh, as an extension of that that can be sort of a general. It's like JS Bin, but already has Kendo UI and all of our uh, uh, third-party integrations built in, ready to go for you to use. So you can uh, build your own little custom widget demos and things like that inside of there. So one so. of the, the cool things about Kendo UI Mobile, of course, is that um, you can use that the same source, essentially, yes. to render uh, the look and feel of iPhones and iOS right. devices yeah. and Android devices yeah. and even Windows Phone devices And now, then Windows Phone, that's right. Without uh, changing any UI mm -hmm. particulars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's really powerful when we when people see that either on our demo site or when they see it in the dojo because that's you know one of the lessons is actually going through and building a basic list view mm. and then just seeing how that that you know same snippet of javascript and html code then renders with a very nice near native experience in iOS yeah. Android Windows Phone and Blackberry as well if that's still your thing we do I imagine still people Blackberry. really like that it's not too often that you go to a website with your Windows Phone, in my case, or I don't ever remember going to a website with my iPhone yeah. and seeing it render like, an, like a native app. Yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, when that happens, I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it is nice. It is nice to have that. And it also works really well for folks that are targeting hybrid uh, and right, switches sure. often. So um, I, I'm also actually just recently took on Icinium is another product that I'm working on as yeah, well. Yeah, we talk so, about it all the time. Yeah, and Kendo yeah. UI, with Kendo UI and Icinium, that's a really, really great pairing to build those hybrid mobile apps that need to deliver something that looks and feels native because it's right. a requirement of, of the app stores that they want you, they want to give you something that is actually native. One of our biggest complaints about uh, people who use PhoneGap in general is that the easiest way to use PhoneGap is to take a website throw it up in a PhoneGap app and yep. turn it into Absolutely. an app. Absolutely. And know? that is also the quickest way to get rejected by Apple when you submit yeah. your app to the App Store. Good. I mean, but, yeah. you know, briefly, there was an Uber app on Windows Phone that was the Uber website I didn't realize in that. PhoneGap. And I think it was up for a day. Before the Microsoft team Somebody pulled it down. finally took it down. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah. it's like, it was... I kept I kept it on one phone because I saw it. So, and I went, oh, good yeah. Uber. Because yeah. I also have an Android phone. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Uber app is profound. Like, oh, it really wonderful. gets the concept of what you want out of a smartphone. And, you know, I don't really know if, if we talked about Uber on the tablet show. I know we did on Donnie Ross yeah. for the car show. But why don't you tell everybody what I mean, Uber, Uber is? So Uber is the the modern taxi cab, yeah. the way you want yeah. to take a taxi. Mm -hmm. That you pre-enter your contact information and your payment information. And it uses the phone to figure out where you are. Yeah. You tell it where you want to go. And the drivers effectively bid mm -hmm. on driving. Mm -hmm. And in high times, like they'll charge extra and so forth. But mm -hmm. you get a you get a rate before you get in the car. Absolutely. You click on, okay, I want that ride. And then you can see the guy coming to you. So yep. you're still sitting I in the car chat with your friends. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the car's out front, you walk <clears throat> out. You get in. You, you go to where you want to go. You get out. I, I think the most important thing in that whole thing was the reduction of transaction friction. Yes. Yeah. It's one of those subtle things mm -hmm. that that's what makes Uber so pleasant. You Absolutely. know what they did uh, this December? You could order a Christmas tree via Uber for $130. Really? You could order a Christmas tree and they'd hand deliver it. That's right. So they're extending a the little they're bit. Taking that, I love that. Yeah. 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 So it, bright. Reducing the transaction. I mean, even at the end of the ride, when you're getting out and it, it is, you know, Uber has your credit card right. details. They're handling the transaction. Yeah. You don't have to worry about tips. Yep. You don't have to worry about whether or not the driver takes credit cards right. at all. It's yep. all just taken all care of. All of that transactional fantastic. friction goes away. Right, but yeah. we digress. So yeah. you're, you're, <laughs> the reason that you had that is because you, you got the Uber app on your, um, on your Android, on Android phone, phone. And it was and it's wonderful. Love 
out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. See it appear on Windows Phone because Windows Phone's doing a pretty good job right, of right, getting right. these apps done. So I'm like, oh, good. You know, it's yeah. done. Now fire it up. Just oh my god, it's the mobile site. It's the mobile site, and you know why a lot of companies, startups especially, take and actually even enterprises end up in that place. Yeah, is because they're thinking, oh, new platform. I think this is going to be a thing. Oh, now we need a development team just for that platform. Right, sure. right. Which is that's that's what you get with native. You are you have an iOS team and yeah. an Android team, team and a Windows Phone team yeah. or and consulting group. Or absolutely. Something. So they'll take the hybrid approach and say, okay, but with Cordova we can get. We can get there with PhoneGap. We can actually get on the phone, but they didn't take it far enough, right? right. They just wrapped the website. And the funny of actually... thing is, if they just took their website, you know, and moved all the code part of it into a JavaScript file that mm. could be, you know, reused, yeah, and then redid the UI part of it with Kendo UI Mobile, yeah, and then hooked it up to Icinium, they could have had, you know, uh, native apps for every platform. Absolutely, yeah. They would have had a re- yeah, and they could have replicated a really nice experience. I would love to see somebody like Uber deliver that scale of an experience in in the native i mean in a hybrid place because Mm. that's one of those types of apps that people look at and they'll make the argument well hybrid can't compete because look at what you can do with native but i I just think there's lots of cases where people haven't yet tried well and you know there's there's a big argument that uh, has become apparent to me for the you know there's always you know pros and cons right Mm. but a huge argument for for uh, hybrid apps is agility yeah, because absolutely. what happens when there's a brand new operating system that comes out? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Samsung, maybe it's Google Chrome right. OS, maybe, right. and and all of a sudden it takes over. Right. You know how long is it going to be before there's a, a you know a Cordova shim mm-hmm. versus a Xamarin shim? Right. Now nothing right. against Xamarin, they yeah. do awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But which one is probably going to be first? Right. It would probably be the Cordova. Probably be the, the HTML, right. JavaScript. Absolutely. And about that yeah. same thing, on the Uber side, and mm-hmm. I want to pick on Uber per se, if you've already made the commitment to build in Cordova, mm-hmm. then adding those new platforms is trivial. That's Whereas you've committed right. yeah. to the native, every new platform is a serious consideration. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah, a it big expense. Right. right. It has to be hard. You have to make that decision. It has to become a strategic decision. Your mobile strategy has to account for that as opposed to saying, oh, yeah, we can cover that platform right. as long right. as... Cordova's there as long as we feel like we've got a toolkit or a framework that gives us the ability to target something that's near native or feels native and we can get there Well, I can see why Uber would want to take a show <laughs> product on Windows Phone in North America where it's 3% of the yeah, market. It's, yeah. It's, but it's, here in the UK, it's 10. Yeah, right. So right. now it's suddenly like, maybe you should have a I almost think that yeah. the strategy, and this is, it sort of reminds me of where we were with should we develop desktop apps or should we develop web apps back right. in the day? Yeah, right? I remember those. Yeah. And it almost occurs to me that maybe we should be doing both. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe to get up to to get out there, to get mm-hmm. our native apps out there quickly, mm-hmm. we should be looking at Icinium. We should be looking at Cordova mm-hmm. solution. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we wanted to build you know a native app with you know a Xamarin tool or you know even even yeah. I, you know the native yeah. iOS or whatever it is, then we do that and we take our time. We do it right. However, we want to do that. That's fine. Absolutely. But, but you know, there's nothing faster. You know, right. than Getting yeah. it out. And I think that's true. I, I, I believe really strongly, and we really all do at Telerik on the Kendi UI and on Icinium team, is that there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. No. And that's mm-hmm. a big statement we try to make because sure. not only do we have other products that allow people to work in that native space or they want to, or to work in the pure mobile web if that's what they choose to do, yeah. but we feel like if your company's approach is we have to choose one, and this is our one thing for everything, yeah. that's not right. You, you'll, you'll burn yourself, sure right? You and there won't. are cases, I, was talk, I talked to an analyst um, uh, with CIC here in London yesterday, and we, we were talking about how he talks to enterprises about mobile. And one of the examples I used is 
a company like ADT is in an interesting position because ADT both probably needs to build internal enterprise apps for yep. mobile, mm. but they also have a consumer app. And, those, and that consumer app, depending on the functionality, they may choose to have a native app with two different teams. But mm. maybe for their line of business internal apps, they make the choice to go hybrid. That's mm -hmm. an okay distinction. Or maybe they use the same for both because they have one team and that's the direction that they want to go right. in. But they don't have to feel like, well, we have to organizationally decide what our mobile approach is sure. and use that for everything. I guess we're still battling over, is there a strategic, where's the advantage to native? I mean, in theory, native is going to take better advantage of the platform. Yeah. I mean, the shimming solution in Hordova is pretty cool. And some of the new plug-in options and so forth, like, I think you're doing a pretty good job of taking advantage of the platform. Right. In theory, that's native's advantage. But where is that actually important? And I think it's important when you're actually in a competitive landscape. Yeah, I can see that. Like right? in a hyper... Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. If, if there's five apps that more or less do the same thing, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. one that's the best polished on that platform is probably the one that people are going to use. Right, you know, right. Cross-platform doesn't matter to the customer. The customer right. only has one phone. Right. Cross-platform yeah, exactly. matters to us right. as mm -hmm. developers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if you make any sacrifices for cross-platform that diminishes the individual customer's utilization, right. they have a choice to go to somewhere else. Right. But let's go back, and I hate to just pick on Uber here. Uber has no rival, really. Like no. it's a unique it's product. Yeah, yeah. The biggest thing I would think for them is as wide as possible. Like, isn't right. the Cordova solution a better solution because they reach as many phones as possible? Right. Right. Some startups, though, I think where they end up going with native is because they make the choice to target iOS first, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. a lot of Valley startups. They're it's, making the decision to say, we're going iOS, and then if this thing takes off, if our MVP is legit, right. then we'll go to Android and, and we'll figure it out And isn't that funny because there. Yeah. Yeah, why target iOS first at this point? Well, there are more Android now. phones. Because, Absolutely. because yeah. people spend money on iOS. Well, even though, even yeah. though there are less of them. People actually buy apps, and there's and yeah. there's arguments back that the Android store is now making money. And there's the people yeah. are successful there, but it, it, I do think that default decision to iOS first is out of date. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Especially, and I, I do agree. People do spend money on iOS, but if you're an app like Uber, where your app is actually free, yeah. right? What you're doing is you're opening up the window to people actually spending money on your services, right. which right. is where you're. Yeah, where you're generating case, revenue. Yeah, if you're yeah. if you're going to be selling your app, yeah, yeah you want. But iOS. you're right. Then you know the hundred thousand dollars spent on a ninety nine cent app, you'll you'll make more money on iOS, uh, even though there's less users. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The latest research coming in is that's starting to shift. Abs I agree. Uh, yeah, I see. That. And, well, it's starting to shift not only from paid apps to in app purchases, but because that's just a race to the bottom. Yeah, because it's a race to the bottom. Yeah, People are squawking. I mean, I've always laughed about squawking about ninety nine cent app. It's like mm -hmm. anything cheaper than my latte. Just buy it. Like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, you buy a $5 latte from Starbucks and throw half of it away. <laughs> right. yeah, that's right. two apps you just dropped in the garbage <laughs> there. You should relax and just buy the should flipping translate. app. To hesitate <laughs> oh, on a 99-cent transaction that has zero friction. Right, right. Yeah, right? absolutely. It costs me more to install the trial and upgrade <laughs> than just that's buy right. the dang app. Yeah, but right. that being that's said... Right. The 99 cent app is dying. It is. Right? It is. The candy crush model is the model. It is. Give the app, a, you know, the first dose is free. This is drug dealing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> first dose is free. Buy upgrades. I, absolutely. And I, that, I've, I've fallen into that. There's a, there's a game that so, so Todd will, I'll, I'll have to warn Todd that I'm going to share his dirty laundry, but there's Todd a Angry. great, Todd, yeah, Todd, I, there's a great game that a lot of us on the Kendo UI team, Todd included, have played on iOS called Clash of Clans. It's a free game. It's mm -hmm. always been at the top of the App Store. And the way they get you is that you have to spend money to like get a shield so that you're not attacked. It's you, you can't 
you have to make money to to basically build a better army so that you can attack other players. Right. But you can't make money fast enough to uh, to where it's actually you get more stolen over a twenty four hour period of time than you can make right. at the beginning. So, so you buy right shields away, for you yourself. Have to buy shields. And so yeah, Todd has said to me, and I quote, "I've spent more money on that app than I care to admit." And I think that's where a lot of us ah, are. And I've done ah, the same thing. Ah, a lot ah, of us are in this place with in app purchases where we're just like, "Oh, this is really important to me right now." Right. So yeah, this yeah, moment, and it's ninety nine cents, and it's a dollar ninety nine, no problem, it's a no problem at all. And that's where people. And yeah. I, you know, I, I do think in this model that. You trade time for money. Yeah. You could buy the shield off of play if you've got the hours to play. Right, right, right. But you don't because you have a life. Right, right. And so for a buck, <laughs> right. I save X many hours of play that's to exactly get this right. thing I need to yeah. get to the next level again. Yeah. This episode of The Tablet Show is brought to you by Telerik Icinium, which enables you to develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript. And the best part is Icinium lets you do all of this from within Visual Studio, including comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI as well as jQuery mobile, and integrated testing and deployment capabilities. That makes Icinium a robust end-to-end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium, with its Visual Studio extension, is available on a subscription basis and part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. Start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at icinium.com DNR. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M dot com DNR. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks and the Tablet Show. All right, so to get away from games for a second and sort of consumer race to the bottom apps, Let's talk about business apps. And mm-hmm. let's, in particular, I want to talk about apps that a business would write and then link to on their website, you know, to give their customers uh, better access, you know, a U.S. Airways. So, kind business of app. to consumer app. Business yeah, to like consumer okay. app, which yeah. I think yeah. is the growing market for mobile apps. I here. think I think you're absolutely and probably right. Probably the largest, the yeah. biggest growing yeah. market. And it's one that I think a lot of enterprises are starting to actually put time and effort into. Mm. Uh, I, I, I use United most of the time for flying, and United mm-hmm. actually just did a huge upgrade to their app from what they had pre-iOS 7 to what they have now. And it's obvious that they spent a, they took a lot of time and effort to actually build something that was mobile-tailored before. Yeah. It was basically a glorified you know, UI table view, just a few extra, you know, not much. They changed right. background colors, and right. they didn't do too much to it. So, and so I only have the United app for both Android and Windows Phone. And, and Windows right? Phone? Like I yeah. Have, yeah. I have them both, and they're, diff- they're quite different from each other. Are they really? Yeah. yeah. So I think even then, so that's a case where it's obvious from, from the United app that I don't think that's hybrid. They are actually making the choice to be native per platform. It, it, it's n- such a no-brainer for United to, or any company app, to do yeah. that because when they have an app on your phone, you are going to go to them first because right. you have an app. Right, absolutely. Versus yeah. anyone else. Yeah, I, I hate, and I hate to derail this. I'd love to compare your app because I don't have oh, an sure, iPhone yeah. Yeah, yeah. with the Android app. Because part of, one of the things I like about this app is that Part of it is clearly uh, an app, and part of it is clearly a browser. They're they're absolutely right. they are using a, a web view in of a lot kind. of parts of their app. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, what's interesting is that so that skinning is what the app was on iOS two weeks ago. Right. So, so it that's what like, it used to look like. That's what it looks like now. Okay. So what's interesting about this? I got try to make this into the a usable radio show. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> uh, the the United app on Android does look like. Uh, a sort of classic iPhone app, the old style app. Yes. In that it has the, the style of its buttons, the style mm-hmm. of its list, where the modern one, this iOS 7 one you show me, mm-hmm. dude, that looks like WinPhone. 
it is it, it, God, is, it, it is very big tile metro and, and flat and, metro sure. and it even yeah. slid in from the right oh yeah like, it there's is no so, doubt it is so wind phony yeah, and the sad right. part is the united app on wind phone looks like an iphone looks app. Like I, and you know honestly that's one of the things about native that that just chaps me the most is when i get something on android or windows phone that it's obvious that it was a this was a straight design port yeah from Actually, iOS. I, I changed it again. Like, well, you're so looking it is a, at the wind. But, so this is definitely, so they are using the uh, Panorama, which is really nice. Right. I always love it. So when, the, we're looking yeah. at the WinPhone wind United app. Yeah. And I'm just glad we all have, we have one of each yeah. for this thing. Right. It is really a web page, but they're using the Panorama to scroll from a page to page. Oh, are they, is that what they're doing? That's, That's what it really looks nice. like Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, the, in terms of right. styling. They're not yeah. really doing Metro styling. It's not, you don't have to see the text going across yeah. to the next page yeah. or hinting that you can slide. Yeah. Like, it, it clearly, that's that's a third stringer. Absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, they did a few things that are nice that aren't default. Like, unless this was uh, updated with Windows Phone 8, but the, the panorama is a wraparound. Is that mm -hmm. by default now? Uh, I, I because guess Because so. I remember early panoramas with it Windows only went Phone to 7, you'd go to the edge and yeah. back, and it, it's really nice that it kind of comes up back around to the beginning again. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of airline miles also, <laughs> which I would have expected. You got surprised? Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I thought I had a lot, but I knew that I had nothing compared to you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I hate to yeah, talk about UI in detail on a mm -hmm. talk show, but I think it's important mm -hmm. when we're looking at this. and think, like To me, it now feels like looking at all three apps in front of us like this, they clearly built for iOS first. It is. It, it, absolutely. Right? Yeah, and we it, can and tell. It, and it does seem native, although it has some web embedding. Right. And then they work on the Android one, which is clearly a generation behind mm -hmm. what they're doing on iOS. And the Windows app is old. Yeah. Like, I think it's um, one version, maybe two. So so even a company the size of United, they're, we're, we're learning through this that this is sort of exposing their resource constraints yeah. around mobile, right? Because they are going... They're staggering their updates, yeah. Because probably they don't have the team. I think they don't. The, you know you the know, teams that they you, need. I presume, yeah, that the back end is common. Probably right. right? The back end's common across them, and uh, it's just who's willing to play with what on UI. Right. You know, how far? How much time right. are they going to spend on that? But also, clearly, this thing gives me no sense mm -hmm. that there's a Metro designer. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, not at all. Yeah, not, no sense at all that they that they're thinking about. I want to make a great Windows Phone experience. Right, they absolutely are trying in iOS. Absolutely, right. But what's what's amazing about it, and this is the staggering, can be a little bit frustrating because you look at it as somebody who 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 does work in the hybrid space and say, guys, you could do this. Yeah, you could do because everybody would get the update. And everybody I mean, would that's get the where update. This really absolutely. makes a difference. Yeah, it? and I look at this app, and so this is great. I mean, Carl asked the question about about you know business to consumer apps because you are trying to deliver a wonderful experience, but there's nothing about this app that could not be achieved with web technologies plus sure. a really good platform to help you run it right. right if you're starting with vanilla html javascript css hybrid can be really daunting yes. like if all you've got is the web stack plus cordova you don't know where to go next yeah yeah uh, so but but because especially when that's compared to objective c and ui kit and coco touch and all the wonderful abstractions that they give you inside of those libraries yes. it can be very tempting to think oh how could hybrid compete because i've got these wonderful things but right if you are using a can UI mobile or isinium or if you are using a even uh, Xamarin more on the cross-compile space, or even if you are using Essential Touch, you are starting with something that, that gives you more for free, that you're getting more out of the box so that you can get closer to this and you're not starting from scratch. Well, and now we get into, I think, a really important part of this whole discussion, which is, isn't it in United's interest to make a common UI that is United's UI across all of the phones? I would think so. Yeah, because they are a brand. Yeah. And organizing flight information mm -hmm. is something they probably know a fair bit about. Uh, yeah. And wouldn't it make sense to be the best organization for that and not worry about 
the UI conventions of a given phone platform. Absolutely. And I think especially with where what, where iOS has gone with iOS 7 really I think was sort of the last straw yeah. to making it possible to build a consistent look and feel across platforms right. and not violate the platform's human interface guidelines. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. right now, because now that skeuomorphism is out the window. Right. You're okay. Why yeah, can't we okay. just go with the most efficient right. UI we can right. go with? And, and we, we thought of this last year. So in our second release in, in uh, or this year, our second release in, 20, in 2013 with Kendi UI Mobile, we actually released a flat skin. So we had... A lot of customers that were looking for, I want something that looks like iOS and Android and Windows Phone across those platforms. Right. Mm-hmm. And others that were saying, I actually want to make my brand stand out right. across the platforms. So they can start with a flat skin that we've done. It actually looks, uh, it's a little Metro-y, it's a little iOS 7 in a lot of ways, but it, it is, it, the, you know, the gradients and drop shadows are removed. Yeah. Right. Uh, the transitions are different, a little bit smoother. So they and can all use of their own things. color scheme if they want. So they can start with that, use yeah. the Kendo UI Mobile uh, uh, style builder, and then just change that up. Right. And the great part about that, and this is the wonderful thing that people don't talk about a lot, and how losing skeuomorphism has actually helped hybrid, is that losing drop shadows and gradients and those kinds of mm-hmm. things from Kendo UI Mobile actually improved our speed, the improved performance. the view speed sure. by like 300%. Because all, wow. all that rendering. Exactly. Yeah. So the GPU is not being taxed by all of this CSS. Yeah. Right? It's, it's really creating ornamentation that's not necessary. Right. right. Well, and and, if, hmm. when did it stop being necessary? I mean, I remember... God, I'm just old, right? But it was, <laughs> there was so much work to make a button feel like a button. Mm-hmm. I, it clicked, yeah. did it move? That you had a sense of its depth. Like we're, yeah. we're trying to represent 3D the old senses. VB days. Uh-huh. There was old, yeah. remember Sheridan controls. Yeah. They had a whole 3D suite. It's all suite. about that look, yeah. right? Yeah. And is it just that society has advanced to a point where we pretty much get that's a button? You don't have to make it have a drop. I think. I think so. Mm-hmm. Now I think there's all, there has been some some backlash against Apple because they seem to have taken that to its extreme. Yes. By saying, well, it can just be text, and you can just click on everything. And you presume everything's clickable. And we, had, we did a show maybe a month ago yeah. with Mr. Miller Mark where Miller. He, he went after iOS 7, not so much for the fact that you couldn't tell what was clickable, but inconsistencies. Yeah, yeah that's, that that's true as well. Right. Sometimes something's red and it's a warning. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's red because it's the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Like All of these UI patterns are about giving the user a sense that they know what to do Abs- next. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and clearly they've been educated now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been 30 years mm-hmm. of clicking on things. Mm-hmm. So we now we can sort of simplify it and clean it up. It stops, yeah. it stops being clarity and starts being clutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so the app needs how do you to get say, right? I got this. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. I know yeah, where we're exactly. going. Yeah. I know what you want. And, and right. that was the thing where I loved, and you know, I was biased at the time because I was working at Microsoft when all of the Metro stuff and Windows 8 came out. Um, but even now that I've left and been away for about two years, I give them a great deal of credit for the, the, the inspiration of Metro UI, which mm. now can't be called Metro anymore. Right. But, but we, we don't can, work for Microsoft. We don't, no, work, we for we don't work for Microsoft, right? <laughs> and so it's a but, good but, name. Yeah, but this idea of actually creating a sense of place and using very popular wayfinding techniques that are yeah. used in public airports and train stations yeah. and what have you, uh, and, and allowing the user to feel comfortable and know that yeah, this is a button, but it doesn't have to be a fancy button that seems beveled and coming. Thir- you know, it doesn't seem yeah. 3D on the screen. Yeah. You still know it's a button. We remove ornamentation. Yep. It's really about the data, the content standing out. Right. And a- Android was doing that around the same time, and now yeah. finally Apple has has recognized that they had to get with it or become irrelevant effectively. But I give it, I give I give Microsoft and Google a great deal of credit for being the ones to. They're doing the best work in mobile design right now. I, I think. tend to agree. By far. I think Metro really is more profound than people care to give it credit I, for. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I still don't feel like Microsoft has communicated Metro design for developers I well. I agree. Yeah. I think it is too 
there are very few people who have built great Metro apps. Right. Um, I mean, Jeff Wilcox, Fourth and Mayor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great app. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and it's not because he's a blue badge, because he does more for that team. Right. right? But right, he right. put in some serious hours mm-hmm. to really rethink the Foursquare interfaces mm-hmm. so that, mm-hmm. that his app's better than Foursquare. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I, and it's, it's got to be tough for a company like United that is U.S. centric. Yeah. To look at a three percent market yeah. share yeah. and go, yeah. we need real designers really thinking about a better UI. Yeah, like, that's incredibly tough yeah. to justify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that part of the reason why Windows Phone didn't get a lot of credit early on and is really only getting some of it now is because the hardware lagged. I think yeah. it's the same reason Nokia why has saved the but they, they have absolutely. But even HTC, the HTC X is a really very nice phone. I mean, have it's, you played it's, with the HTC One? Um, I have an HTC One. It I bought it from the Play Store. One of the nicest phones. I love that phone. Yeah. I, so I use that as my that has my European SIM in it. So that's right. the one that I travel yeah, the with. Yeah, the same reason here. I have a Nexus yeah. and, a, and, a, and a Win phone. And that to me was the first time I held an Android phone and say, okay, now HTC gets what they need to do to compete with Apple yes. because software is really we know this is only half the story. No. If you have people will say, well, yeah, Android seems nice, but man, my my, my iPhone, it's that in hand so, experience. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, all the stuff that you know. Johnny Ive shows me pictures of the machine tooling happening happening on the side of the bell, all this stuff, and you're like, people just fall over themselves for that right. stuff. But to see this happening now via Nokia with Windows Phone yeah. and HTC with Android and Windows Phone is amazing. Well, and I felt like HTC One was the first Android phone that felt like an iPhone. Yeah, but what yeah. I always liked about Nokia, starting with their 900. Was that was an incredible feel of a that didn't feel like an iPhone. Now you're a right different about that. feel. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it was the, distinctive. The, the mm-hmm. curved surface, smooth, weighty, yeah, sturdy. Yeah. Now, the way I describe it is, I feel like I can kill a small animal with this. Yeah, yeah. It's you such know, I, a sturdy. I get phone. that. I, I get that look from people when I sh- when I'm out with my Nokia phone. They, you know that you are oh carrying the yellow one. That is yeah. an amazing. F- look yeah. at that. Like yeah. they don't know that it's a right. Windows phone. They just yeah. see it and they say that is beautiful. Yeah. And I look yeah. at that. What is that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad it was a long time coming because you know I, I was working at Microsoft when Windows Phone Seven was released, and so we all got a phone. And yep. the phone that we got was the Galaxy S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was which was basically which is Samsung saying, "Oh, Microsoft, we promised we'd make you a phone. Right? Here's this Android. That yeah. Sort of here's a phone we've been you selling guys. for a while, but we managed and, to get your software. And products. it was a light plasticky thing. Yeah. You know, and and and, and it was a little bit underwhelming because i went from an iphone to this right. to, you know to support the platform and right. it was tough and so but i see it now i can see that now that hardware has gotten on par people can now look at the software and realize the software has always been there it's yeah. always looked nice microsoft needs to communicate better how developers can actually get take advantage of the ui their version of apple's human interface guidelines I also whatever feel it is the, the other thing i've found from using both routinely mm-hmm. android software is more stable that's true I, yeah, I have. Yeah. I love my Win Phone. I like more its stable UI. than what they used than to the, be than the Windows phones. Than the, than the Windows, Windows phones. So running the same app side by side, day in day out. Yeah. Right. Like, and we talk about the United app. The United app seems to have update problems on the Windows phone. It's mm-hmm. probably United's fault, mm-hmm. and, and they probably not got around to fixing it because it's just not enough of the market to matter. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Where the Android app has been updated and doesn't have those issues, but mm-hmm. consistently when I've had the same app available on both devices. The less stable app is WinPhone. Yeah, and huh. and I think it's largely part of it is updating skill set. Uh, you know, and maybe market share will overcome that. I just wonder if there's more. I never felt like Google's really good to developers. So the developers fall in the pit of success for development either. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Right? Yeah. But I think it's also the great argument for Cordova. 
mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. It's like, hey, go run inside of a framework that makes sure it's speaking to the phone well. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that you don't have to own you that You don't problem. have to do that. Right. right. Because that, yeah, because if you if you take hybrid and then you have the responsibility of handling the platform-specific communication to and from a web view, right. you might as well just be writing well, native at that point. Especially when you talk about Android. Yeah. And they, yeah. all of the Samsung phones have an additional UI element on yeah. it. And all yeah. of the HTC phones have their UI elements Absolutely. on it. Yeah, we I don't envy any Android developer actually making sure their app works right. on all those flipping We phones. shouldn't brush yeah. over that yeah. point. I mean, that's yeah. a huge point. That's a huge argument for a hybrid right there. Mm-hmm. Is that you aren't down at that low level right you know there's a framework that's doing that right. for you yeah you are yeah. not responsible for owning the behavior of the phone yeah and that's yeah. why we like dot net right? yeah because yeah. we're not doing plumbing brilliant right. yeah <laughs> right. brilliant point Carl. right you're right. exactly right i don't want to know i don't right. want to i got stuff. stuff to do right so right. take that away from me I think in the early days of mobile development, it was really easy for people to say, I do want to do that. Because to a lot of developers that had never, ever seen Objective-C oh, sure. before or Coco, yeah. the language is so different than unique. They're like, I would like to learn that, yeah. actually. I like this. I like this Plus, this you're still living on a piece of hardware where speed is everything. With, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, what happened in .NET, just like what happened with Java, it's like, hey, we got lots of speed. What I need is software that runs reliably right. yeah. and it isn't a bitch to take care of. Right. And, you know, right. for a lot of .NET developers, it was hard coming away from Getting oh, yeah. away from that control, you know, giving up control yeah. is hard. Yeah. Just ask Chris Sells, man. Sure. It took him, <laughs> it took him a while to yeah. be able to give up his pointers and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. and his reference counting. He yeah. didn't go easily. Yeah, absolutely. You, know? you don't yeah. need to think about memory. We're going to take care of that We're going to take care but of that you. You're suck right. at it. Yeah, yeah. And, and we don't. Yeah. But yeah. you have to trust right. that your you do. VM yeah. takes care of memory properly. And what is, I've heard Scott Hanselman say so many times before, we, we can take abstractions just fine, but if they're leaky abstractions, we will we will curse whoever wrote the Framework. So that's the, the other side is we actually have to make sure it is something that we trust. Yeah. So yeah. Cordova's stability is great. There are other tools, open source tools out there that do a similar thing, but sure. the stability and longevity and community around Cordova is what gets you that reliability. And you know, I'm not a fan of Adobe, and I don't know anybody who actually is. <laughs> uh, which, which I have friends that work I, there. Actually, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, my opinion of the quality of their software has gone up considerably in the last five years. Because you do use a lot I of I use Adobe's a lot software. of their software. Okay. Their yeah. creative cloud offering is very interesting. I like a lot of their stuff. stuff. Is sure. That's a business model thing, yeah. which I think was very smart. But, but, but even the quality of Premiere... Yeah. Pro mm. has gone is amazing co- yeah. compared to everything else out there. Yeah. And I know a lot of uh, uh, Final Cut Pro users on the Mac side that have jumped ship from that product and gone to Premiere Pro. Have they really? I didn't realize. Yeah, and, and I know lots of Mac people that are jumping ship yeah. because Premiere Pro is, is so awesome. But the, the other concern I have around Cordova goes back to the original phone gap mantra, which is like, we're filling in temporarily. Yeah, right. right? And I'm, I mean, if I'm an enterprise architect type, and we're talking about committing a bunch of resources, start developing on this platform. Yeah, it's that probably it's why they called call it itself gap. a temporary platform. Yeah, right. With the presumption that HTML5 is going to fill in the gaps. That, that was always the idea when Brian Larue wrote that manifesto for yeah. the, the PhoneGap project before it it was yeah before those core pieces were donated to Apache and became Cordova yeah. and this kind of small was that it was designed um, to become irrelevant. Yeah, the, the whole idea was we want the web platform to supplant us. Right. And I think that's a great, I, I think that's actually a very noble goal. Yeah. Um, I think that it's still a long way away. I yeah. mean, even with the work that Mozilla is doing with Firefox OS, they're building a, they have a set of specs in the W3C mm. called the Web API. That's right. And all of it's these specs are web. things like battery and microphone yeah. and all of yeah. these standard specs for actually providing hardware access 
via the web platform. They want to have their own OS that only runs JavaScript and right. HTML. And, 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 and Tizen is effectively doing the same thing, but these right. things are, are these things are years from being mainstream. Sure. So I think it's a, it's a laudable goal for Cordova, uh, but it does. It is a little bit um, concerning, I think, to enterprises because if you make that choice and then the web platform does supplant it, it's not like you can just rip the Cordova plugin out and sure. you've still got a native app. Yeah, but it's, at the same time, it's like you you wrote it in HTML. Like an awful lot of your actual work is written in HTML, right, CSS, right, and right, JavaScript. Right. Like it shouldn't be that hard. No, it's not. To make it run right. as a mobile app. Yeah. But the one thing about that, I think that that statement, to be fairly, to be frank, is a little bit smoke and mirrors because half the value of Cordova is not. Ju it's not just the web platform. It's also it is a it's a packaging mechanism for native apps. Right. The web platform will never provide me the ability to deploy yeah. something in the mm -hmm. Apple App Store. Mm -hmm. So even if the web platform has all those capabilities, there will still be something, yeah. some Cordova light that provides me that wrapper. Yeah. If you still want to be in the if store. If you still want to be in the store. And we're seeing we're seeing more and more a lot of developers that are saying, no, we're choosing the mobile web. Yeah. We're fine. We don't need to be in a store. Well, if I'm a small team, I don't think the store buys me anything anymore. Nobody no. can find it's, you. It's right. a matter yeah. of the app, right? It, if it's a public app for games or for... It's not business to consumer, in other words. Right. You know? right. Yeah. If you're relying on the app store to do your marketing for you, yeah. I yeah. guess... You get nothing. You got problems. Yeah. You got yeah. problems. But Absolutely. we've got mobile apps, and the way you find them is you hit our website with a phone. Or you listen to yeah. the show, right? <laughs> yeah. If you hear the right. show, we yeah. tell you about it. You right. go to our website. There's a link there. Yeah. Where yeah. you hit our site Absolutely. with a phone. It goes to the mobile site that says, hey, we have an app. Wait right. Which yeah. is the way I found most apps. I right. know that banner that they've introduced on a few things where there's... Yeah. This, yeah. And we they do have... the same thing. It's like if you go to .NET Rocks on an Android phone, mm -hmm. you go to a mobile site, which is very good. Carl wrote it. It's great. Mm -hmm. And it, right at the top of it says, hey, we have a mobile app for Android. Mm -hmm. Click there mm -hmm. and yeah. we'll install this app for you. Yeah, which is the only marketing we really need. I Absolutely. think. Yeah. yeah, you know, I yeah, I think the app store exposure argument is gone yeah. now. Really, the Dead only the compelling it. argument for an app versus mobile web is uh, device APIs. Yeah, right. If you actually need device level you get access. access to the platform, right, right, and that's where Cordova is trying to. They're they're trying to build goodwill with the web community by saying, look, we don't want to exist in five years. Yeah, because we want. Chrome yeah. for Android, but and if Safari you boys don't pony that. up, we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep on going, and they will. <laughs> Ultimately, they still will. But I also think, and I don't think we talk about this enough, is that there is a path back. That if you had built in Cordova, mm -hmm. you could pick up the bulk of your assets, absolutely, and make it back into a mobile app. Yeah, you absolutely mm -hmm. could. And you, can, mm -hmm. Yeah, and and the, the reverse is true as well. If you are not sure, you don't think you need device access, and you start, start with mobile, mobile web. App. Yeah. And then you decide you do, you mm. port forward. It's yeah, fine. most yeah. of your assets are going to be able to be pushed into right. Cordova and you'll be fine. Right, mm -hmm. right. That's it's a really, I don't think we talk about that piece enough. I yeah. think it's really an interesting truth mm -hmm. that you could float between those two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One could argue you could actually deploy both. It's always you absolutely be could deploy both. Yeah. And yeah, how, why not? And how much of the, you know, there's an interesting show I think I'm going to have to go hunt down now. <laughs> I want you to make a mobile app website and then how much of that stuff could be dropped into Cordova. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the parallel? Now, yeah. update both. Right. You know, what work do I... Right. Know, once right. I... I think that initial deployment would be challenging. Yeah. But once you had it running, I bet you could update both pretty simultaneously. You could up, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, there is... So, the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet that does come into it... I mentioned device API access, obviously, is a big one. But yep. there is also on-device performance and network performance you have to think about, mm -hmm. right? Because... Mm -hmm. The danger of doing pure mobile web, if you have a very, you know, large JavaScript resources, right. large images, what have you, uh, obviously you want to tune that, make sure it performs well, make sure everything is gzip compressed and, and what have you. But mm -hmm. 
there is the advantage of inside of an app container, all of those resources are resident on the app, right? You are not fetching to the network for all of your JavaScript mm. and HTML and right. CSS. So you are saving the user's battery and, and, and data plan to a certain extent. Yeah. In exchange for the only way I can fix those things is to deploy a new version of the app. It's a deployed version of the app. So there is an approach on the mobile web where you can actually rely on things like local storage to cache some of those resources right. on the user's device. And so you can still be a good steward of their of their battery and bandwidth that way yeah. a little bit as well. But so that's another thing that kind of comes into it. If you have a very, very heavy app that really has but a I lot like of code, the concept in it. of being a good steward of someone's data. It is. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think we take responsibility for that very no, often. No. No. Not. Yeah. Absolutely right. not. It, what a great rating. How yeah. responsible am I with your bandwidth? Yeah. You yeah. measured mm. in how many times I download the same thing for you. I think. Yeah. You know. I like that. I want mm. that metric. You should have like public reports of those yeah, kinds absolutely. of things, right? If this is a yeah. responsible app. Yeah. It, if it, if there's a particular resource, it never downloads it twice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as opposed to the lazy one, it's just like let's go get everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, there are there have been native and hybrid apps that have been guilty of that as well. I mean, this was sure. actually Facebook's problem when they were a hybrid app. Is right. That they were making something on the on the order of forty blocking JavaScript calls in the head of their main the list view right. on the page. And before that they could was render in, anything. That was in their native app. Yeah. Right. Before they could render anything, and of course, it's going to be slow. So yeah, yeah you can do that. Well, they got. I think they got thorough. You know, when when Zuckerberg dumped on hybrid, yeah, he got thoroughly crucified. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, you know? absolutely. Because, Although that still comes up. I, I mean, oh, every sure. time I talk to an enterprise customer, there is still that question. Well, about, you know, oh, that's hybrid. the internet. The internet will defend both sides of any argument. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, find assets. Absolutely. <laughs> All you got to do is take a quote out of context. Right. Right. <laughs> right exactly. And ignore the subsequent history. That's you right. You can defend your you position. Can defend your position. That's right. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> so, Brandon, what's next for you? Oh gosh! So I am uh, heading back home tomorrow. It'll be nice, my last trip of the year. Nice. So enjoy the holidays with the family. Um, and I am wrapping up a book on building polyfills for O'Reilly. Oh right really? Now. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm done with it, but I haven't gone through the like the intensive O'Reilly yeah. copy edit yet. You think you're done? Yeah, exactly. I know I'm nowhere near done. <laughs> so here we, come the editors. Yeah, we, we talked about polyfills a bit. I think on .NET Rocks, but just tell us briefly what a polyfill is yeah so a polyfill is is effectively a a way to provide uh, modern web apis to browsers that don't support these yet so a polyfill replicates the api of something like canvas html5 canvas is not available in ie 6 7 and 8 uh, so you can use a polyfill that creates an object uh, on the dom that actually allows you to create the canvas context and call all the same drawing api so in theory a good polyfill can be dropped into the page and your actual logic that's drawing to the canvas or calling that API can be unchanged nice. regardless of where it's so being it used. So it provides a canvas object. So it provides a canvas object, right. absolutely. Yeah. And so that that's uh, that's the first part of the book. The second part of the book, I'm actually talking about polyfills, which is a term. Are, are you talking about like probably the yes, the yes, the pro yes, probably, yeah, yeah, probably. Yes, oh. so this is not my term. This is coined. <laughs> this is coined by a friend of mine in Austin named Alex Sexton. And Alex, uh, the, the whole idea here is that there or forward polyfill is probably the better term for right, it, yeah, less yeah. tongue-in-cheek one. Polyfills. The idea here is it's that there's funny. a lot of specs that are coming up now that you know it's going to be a while before they're implemented. Yeah. Um, but as a developer, you want to play a role in helping standardize that process. Because sure. we know what happens when developers don't have an opportunity to participate in standardization. You get app cache. Right. You get yeah. Web SQL, yeah. right? But yeah. when, when developers are allowed to participate, you get something that's a lot more robust. You get something that developers have actually tried and tested and verified this actually works. Absolutely. And it's useful. And it's useful. So a couple there, so there are things out there, all the web component specs, right? HTML imports, custom elements, shadow DOM, and templating. 
that allow you to define your own semantic elements and define the, the behavior of those mm. uh, in JavaScript and your own CSS or HTML, all of that. Um, those are new specs, and those are things that Google is working on, that Mozilla is working on, Microsoft has expressed interest in, but it'll probably be a few years before we get that. Got it. So Prolyfill is a library that allows me to use that stuff now and to get to, to get to mess with it, play with it. And that's, so that's what the second part of the book is about, and that's what I, I love doing that kind of that's stuff. Awesome. That's awesome. So one last question. Do you have to own Kendo UI in order to, to mess around with a Kendo Dojo? No, you don't. No, Kendo UI, just go to try.kendoui.com, and you can, you can try it out. Uh, and so the dojo is where the, the, the dojo is just in your browser. Just try it out. Can you do it? Can you It's actually in the browser uh, and you load it up. You go through the tutorials. And if you like what you see at the end, you can download a free trial. From That's there. so cool. Yeah. Thank you. And everybody should go do that right now. I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. You'll love it. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Like that. And we'll see you next time on the tablet show. It's not too much, but it needs a lot. Just try it. You're not the only one